You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's Jeff Kay, public address announcer for your Dallas Stars, and you're listening to Starcastic Remarks, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go Stars! Hello, and welcome back to Starcastic Remarks. Alongside Christian James, my name is Ryan Chambers. Thank you for spending some time with us whenever you are listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor of this episode of our podcast and all of THPN. Thank you very much for doing so, DraftKings. And tonight we have a special guest uh, this evening. We're going to introduce him in just a second. But Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. You know, how was that work? Now I'm here. <laughs> great <Fun day>. <laughs> you got to talk about the new thing you bought this week. Oh, yeah, my car broke, so I had to buy a new truck. So that's cool. Got a nice new truck. Spent way too much on it, but you know, that's what happens. I got to be honest. I really want your truck. I do. That like I've wanted a Toyota Tacoma for as long as I can remember. It's been years. Hey, you can have my loan too, man. We'll trade. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I'm not even going to ask you how much it costs you a month. Is it? A, I'm not I, tell I, I, meant you. To, I meant to ask you before <laughs> we started, but is it a V6 or a V8? <laughs> you started at six. It's, ask James how his week went. <laughs> you don't even know? Oh, come no, on. No, it's a four. It's a four? Yes, sir. Oh, my God. I got stock, yeah. dude. I got it stock. James, I guess how'd your yeah. week go? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I have cookies now, so I'm doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Okay, what kind? Big win. What kind? There's chocolate chip cookies. Oh. They're, they're chewy. Basic. I like them. Okay. Oh, it's the grandma cookies. I saw the, I saw the label. Okay. No, no. I take it back. I love the grandma cookies. How'd your week go, Ryan? Uh, busy, busy. It's we ha- it's homecoming week this week, so I'm like, and what we do is a special thing for our alumni for who used to be in the high school band. They get to come during fourth quarter and play with the high school band. So we have like, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people up in the stands. I think last year we had up to like. We were like 250. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of kids and a lot of people. And we sent it like a uh, like a minor, not a minor, a major college band. It, it was it was pretty cool. Anyways, let's move on and uh, introduce our guest tonight. Uh, we have uh, Mr. David Castillo from D Magazine. Uh, he's he, he's numerous other publications, other places. I think he also writes for uh, Defending Big D as well. But uh, he has been gracious enough uh, to allow some of his time to be spent with us this evening. David, how are you doing? Uh, Good. It was my pleasure. And I'm just so happy that this podcast is so on brand for Texas, like cookies and trucks. Like this is <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. That's exactly 100% on. Uh, well, I prefer peanut butter cookies, but that's me. Anyways, random tangents. But uh, anyway, he, uh, David is here. Oh, shut up, Chris. 
<laughs> David is here tonight because I'm tired of getting ganged up on by Chris and James. So he's going to tell them that they're stupid and they're idiotic because they do it to me all the time. But we're going to get into uh, lots of stuff that has been going on. I had too much stuff, so I had to whittle it down. And Chris, Chris especially said, there's no way we're going to get to all of that. So uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about uh, the preseason games in Australia. I, I thought that was really cool. I actually watched both the games because I'm, I'm insane and I stay up late. So um, we're going to talk about the Oilers and Flames jerseys a little bit. Uh, Zegers and Drysdale are still not signed. Uh, surprisingly, I thought they would be signed by now. Uh, we got some Calgary news with Mikhail Backlund signing, and, and it looks like he's going to be announced as the captain. And then we'll get into some uh, actual Dallas Stars stuff uh, this evening. We're going to talk about the first round of cuts that were made. Nothing crazy or anything there. Uh, we'll talk about the Golden Knights option that they just released. They released a straight-to-consumer uh, plan where they... They can watch 69 of the 82 games. Nice. Nice. And thank you. Yes. And then <laughs> James is just shaking his head. No. And we'll talk about why the stars can't do that, which I think is stupid. Uh, well, and I mean, like I said, there's so much stuff. We'll talk about the AAC. We're going to talk about a reaction from the two stars preseason games, which where we'll talk about Minnesota and Arizona with it. And then uh, we'll get actually into uh, David's article where he talks about uh, Lindell and Hawk and Paw pairing moving forward. And I think we can probably get some answers from uh, last night's game as to where that's headed. So uh, that, that'll be interesting uh, when we get to it. So anyways, guys, uh, let's just jump straight into it and uh, talk about the preseason games in Australia. Uh, first things first, I thought I, I mean, I'd heard about Logan Cooley and how great he was going to be, but did y'all get the chance to see that goal? It was freaking oh, ridiculous, man. Crazy. How many different highlight reels did you see of him doing that? Uh, yeah, I saw about six different camera angles, and I saw it about 20 <laughs> times on four different apps. But yeah, that's just an outstanding goal. Um, and, and it's cool that they're putting the, the good players out there for the Global Series, and they're putting on at least a little bit of a show for him out there. Really, really cool to see. I think we saw a little bit of that last year in Europe as well, uh, playing a little bit harder than a normal exhibition game. So cool to see, especially in Australia where you don't expect there to be hockey, kind of like Texas. Mm-hmm. It was also great to see uh, Arizona make the right draft pick for once. Like, yeah, I mean, to me, like in from that, when I think back to that draft, Logan Cooley was, I thought at the time, and I do have receipts, so this is not just like hindsight analysis, but I thought Logan Cooley was, <laughs> Far and away the best, not far and away, but the best player, the top pick. I didn't think like Slavkovsky was that interesting. And of course he wasn't. Granted, I, I think he's going to be good if he can kind of reach his potential, but that goes for every other draft pick. And um, I didn't really care for Shane Wright. And I can't remember who the second, oh, Simon Nimick, that's right. Um, who's going to be great, but I just thought Cooley was just expert level playmaker which is kind of a premium in the, in the modern nhl and it was great seeing him and i i actually hope i hope that arizona starts to do well like i don't want to see you know yes we can sort of dog on teams that that beat the stars and nobody wants to see them beat the stars in the playoffs but i would like to see that community like you know see some success because that is pretty sad like how they've been the all the sort of political stuff surrounding them and the arena mm. and um yeah I'm sort of a low-key arizona fan i'll say yeah it's kind of like a rudy story you can't help but root for him <laughs> well 
I, I don't I, I really don't know what their arena situation is going forward. It it really just I mean, I've heard things of Scottsdale, I've heard things of uh Phoenix. The the Phoenix Suns have a new owner who might or might not be willing to allow the Phoenix Coyotes to to use their the same building, but again, they would have to to change yeah. the building in order to make hockey work in that arena. So there, there's just so many different things with uh, their the future of that organization. So it, they start winning, they'll find a building. Someone someone will put them somewhere to get some yeah. money. I don't think they're they're moving to Houston or anything like that. Like some people Gary, are saying, Gary's making but, sure of that. So yeah, they they they'll they'll make it work in Arizona if they can. Uh, what do you think the next move for the NHL is when it comes to their global series? Because th- there was a, actually a really interesting tweet. I don't know if y'all saw. I retweeted it on the the podcast uh, Twitter account, but uh, it, apparently they're looking at maybe doing a game in Mexico City, which would be really cool. I mean, obviously you would think the stars would be in that particular global series game because of the just geographical distance, uh, how close they are uh, to Mexico City. So do you think that would be something that would be kind of cool? Mexico City would definitely be cool. I also think kind of untapped would be Asia markets. They're starting to even make their own teams and get them into international competitions and stuff, and it feels like there's not too much of a push there. So that would be kind of cool in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just moving further south and keep getting hockey out there. I mean, especially especially around the equator and stuff apparently know what ice is so it's, it's hard to imagine that there's so much of it that you could skate on i can't even imagine it and that's just because we live in texas yeah that's true and we're close enough to the equator that maybe we don't know what ice is compared to not other places, truly but <laughs> not truly right um i meant to have this up but i don't have it up but uh the oilers and the flames just released their uh stadium series uh jerseys out there i don't know if you've seen them guys but I, I took a look at the Oilers jersey and the Flames jersey, and I honestly think I like the Flames jersey a lot more than the Oilers. The, I, I understand what the Oilers are kind of going for, but in they have like a whole graphic that the NHL put out, and it talks about like the history with both the jerseys and where they're coming from or anything like that. Uh, what's y'all's opinions on those jerseys? Because I think the Flame, I don't think the Oilers jersey is terrible. I just think the Flames jersey is a lot better. Have y'all gotten a chance to see it? Yeah, I saw. Them. I, I I liked both of them. Honestly, I thought they were pretty cool. I liked the uh, the faux leather gloves and pants like the stars had. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it looks kind of classic to me. The the Oilers logo is so beautifully ugly. It's just great. <laughs> what do you think, James? I don't know. I don't really have a have a care either way. I like the more <laughs> like I like the blackout jersey lines a lot more than most of the other stuff in the league anyway that's true it's not right. into the oldies not into the oldies yeah I, I i just don't i don't really like the the oilers as much it it just I looks it, it looks strange to me i don't like it yeah it's, it looks ugly it's great <laughs> you, you also probably like the uh the wild wing jersey the the reverse retro that anaheim had that what was it? Oh, the yeah, first round? Know I love the Wild round. Wing jersey. That was in my top three, I think. It was disgusting, man. It was it was disgusting. David, did you get a chance to see those jerseys? <laughs> I, I did. I always go back to my uh, sort of colleague and editor, Mike Pellucci, 
Uh, it was kind of like he sort of described the Stars jersey, for example, as kind of like a turkey sandwich. You know, it's like it's not bad. It's not great. Relatively inoffensive. And that's kind of what I always think when I think about hockey jerseys. Like I'm not super into jerseys in general. Like that's kind of why I don't have any just because uh, there's not a jersey to me that like really like pops and things like where I think, oh, I should I should be wearing this when I go to the theaters or whatever. And of course, I say theaters because, like, I don't, you know, socialize like a curmudgeon, and um, <laughs> yeah. and so, so I think the last jersey that I was really stoked about, of course, the Stars did have one, a really cool jersey, and of course, that was the Lone Star jersey, but the old mighty, the OG Mighty Ducks jersey, and yeah. yes, mm-hmm. there's like nostalgia that explains it because, of course, I love the Mighty Ducks, and I'm an old man, and it was like part of my formative years, but I think that was the last jersey that I thought, hey. That is cool. I would love to own one. And I think that's kind of where it stops. So a lot of the stuff that they do now is kind of cool. And I'm a sucker for retro things. But for the most part, it just kind of feels like the NHL uh, just trying to kind of appeal to everyone. And usually, yeah, I just kind of tune it out. Like I see it, but I'm like, eh, whatever. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Especially with so much jerseys happening recently. Yeah, the two the two rounds of reverse retros, but. I have like every stars jersey of recent memory. Like I even got this got this one on the back of my chair here a couple of weeks ago and I'm in love with it. But of course everybody knows uh I love the Mooderous jersey. Uh Brandon who's always in the comment section is always trying to burn it. <laughs> so rightfully but so. not rightfully so. It's amazing. It's the it's the nastiest, ugliest, most amazing jersey in the world. You have to admit it. No, you say it's pretty. Don't lie. <laughs> I do think it's pretty. I think it's amazing. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, so Anaheim. Anaheim still does not have uh, Trevor Zegers or Jamie Drysdale signed. Uh, and as sucky as they're probably going to be again this year, uh, they're going to be even more sucky without those two players uh, in their lineup. And it doesn't seem like, especially when it comes to Trevor Zegers, that there is an agreement uh, anywhere close. So I- I'm not sure... I haven't seen re- really anything about where Zegers thinks he's worth, but I've seen rumors that Anaheim offered him like 3.5 to $4 million, which I, I don't know about you guys. I think that's, that's pretty low and that's a low ball, but I, I mean, it, is Trevor Zegers worth maybe the eight or $9 million that he might be looking for? What, I, I mean, I could see both sides to the argument, and, and honestly. So, so what do y'all think? Yeah, uh, I don't think he's worth eight or nine yet, but he, he's definitely a flashy player. He's, I mean, wasn't he on the cover of NHL uh, a couple of years ago? So, yeah, he's definitely a face of a franchise, and the plays he makes are crazy enough to get him on SportsCenter, get the Ducks on any kind of media coverage, probably. But yeah, with the team being not great, I mean, I, I don't know if they care too much if he doesn't start the season. I mean, obviously you want him to, but you're probably not looking at a playoff run this year, so they can kind of wait it out, I feel like. So this could go kind of deep, I feel like. In terms of, like, his point production, he's definitely not worth the $8 million. But in terms of just, like, what he does and what – I mean, he he's, to, he, he's the only reason why I even pay attention to the Ducks at all, honestly. Yeah. The only reason Harry. why I even – or why I even watch those games. So in that sense, he's worth it to the Ducks as a whole. But in terms of like 
his playing ability, his point production is just like it, it's not up to eight million yet. So, do you think they're lowballing him on purpose? Yes. Okay, because uh, there, there's no way that he, like I, I think they're both extremes. Like there, there's no way he's worth three and a half or four million, and there's no way that he's worth like the eight million that he might be looking for. I mean, I don't know, five and a half. Five million, maybe for a couple of years, like a bridge deal. Uh, but if he's looking for like an eight-year deal, I don't think they're going to give it to him at like eight by eight, for example. But that it's something he's not going to get. Yeah, the biggest thing I think is term, and that's what a lot of these contracts are coming down to now, especially with the cap the way it is. Mm -hmm. And I really just, oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, I was gonna, what I was really going to say is that. Uh, I should probably stop reading the comments because I was really distracted by the mooderous being described as avant-garde vomit art. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ardell for you, though. That, he's one of our most loyal listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I'm going to try to sort of like tune that out while I kind of try to like focus on Trevor Zegers' contract. <laughs> but um, but what I would say is like I think so. I I agree that Zegers is like his playmaking is just like Spetsa-esque. It's just on another level and it's mm. fun to watch. And um, I'm not like the old schoolers who, you know, Tortorella who complain about <laughs> him trying the Michigan, Michigan goal, which I think is fantastic. It's another weapon that you have at your disposal that you want to use to try to score. So I see no problem with players trying to do that. Um, I would say though that like defensively, yeah, kind of a weak player. And, and I think that's where he may not be necessarily worth what he's asking for. However, I, I think the way you want to think about Zegers' contract is just in terms of, well, once the cap goes up, what does an $8 million contract, you know, dollar contract look like? In the same way that Heisken's contract, in a couple of years, it's just going to look like the absolute, like, <laughs> like the top contract in the league because – that's kind of, you know, what sort of teams are kind of trying to do. So, so do I think he's like worth what he's asking? Like if he's asking for 8 million, which I haven't really followed that well, if he's asking for that. I would say he's worth that in the next like three years. And this is a guy that's put up like two sixty point seasons already. So, I mean, even though I don't think he's a complete player, I personally like might not do that. I do think he's worth what he's paid, especially for a team that has nothing else. Well, I mean, they do. And they're kind of growing that right with McTavish and Carlson, but um, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I would absolutely like try to trade him for uh, some insane defensive help, mm -hmm. but maybe that's just me. Well, and the, the other thing is that the way that GMs are now signing contracts is very different than what it <clears> used <throat> to be. Like back when Jamie Bang got his, his first big $9.5 million deal and he first signed it, he signed that deal based off of what he had already done. Right. So that so they were paying him for that. Nowadays, it's almost like people are getting paid for what it looks like they're going to do. So, like, for example, like Jake Sanderson, like he played, I think, 40 games, 50 games, something like that. And he's already an eight million dollar player. And they're just betting on him over the next half decade or so that he's going to be really, really amazing and really, really good. So. It really just depends on what Pat Verbeek wants to do as the GM of the Ducks. And, I mean, if, if he thinks that Zegers is going to be a bust and, like, that's as much as he's going to get is 60 points, 
then maybe he's right in doing that. But at the same time, if, if he's going to explode this year, like some people say he's going to and be a 100-point player, maybe you sign him to that eight-year, $8 million extension. And then it looks exactly like Miro Haskinen's contract does, right? There's just, there's just no proof that he's going to do that. He, he has great skill. I mean, there's no denying it. Absolutely none. But with, you're talking a 6,200 jump in points. It's 40 more points than he had last season. But that's not reasonable to expect that at all. Yes, I, I, I don't think he's going to get to 100 points this season, but I would expect a jump out of his totals. That's just, that's just me. And honestly, 60 points on a really bad uh, Anaheim Ducks team that doesn't have a lot of help outside of... Uh, him and Troy Terry. I mean, I don't know. So, by the way, it's worth noting that uh, sort of Jim Neal was kind of really the architect for contracts and decisions like this because that's exactly how John Klingberg was signed, right? John Klingberg had a really small sample size of games, and they were just sort of he was just kind of uh, gambling on the fact that, well, yeah, small sample size, but we drafted this guy. We know what he's capable of. He's proven it in the NHL. And what's, I mean, sure, like it may be overcosted if he's bad, but if he's good, it's going to look brilliant. And sure enough, it was just like a brilliant con. I mean, what, 4.5 million mm-hmm. for <laughs> Klingberg's? I think it was 60, six years. Point seasons? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. It, so and, I, I and, think that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead and finish. I didn't know, I didn't realize you were done. No, I was just going to say, I, I think that's kind of largely what surf teams are slowly kind of catching up to. So, yeah, like the Sanderson contract, that's a lot. And, you know, especially for an Ottawa team, it's kind of like has a few of those sort of sort of mid-level kind of bloated contracts. But I do think when I watch Sanderson, he looks like a high school starter kid. I, I do think he's the real deal. Do I, you know, do I think that it was like a good idea to like be that quick to pull the trigger on the contract? Man, maybe not. But I, I think he's pretty good. I, I like him personally. It's also kind of hard just with all the talk of the cap going up too now. I mean, that's that's what people have been talking about for the past three years, and everyone's expecting it to go up. So it's tough to gauge where those contracts are going to end up. Yeah. Kind of my last point on this topic, I liked Ardell's most recent comment. He was saying with, when you're signing speculative contracts like a lot of people have been recently, it, it really is important to trust scouting and your coaches and your development team even more so. Because if if they're wrong, then you could get saddled with a pretty bad contract. So I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I mean, especially in the stars case, we'll make it about the stars. Yeah, it's worked great. I think you could say, <laughs> I think you could say absolutely hundred percent. You could you could probably take a gamble at that and trust your uh, scouting yeah. department because they've done especially well over the last five six years. So I mean, Wyatt yeah. Johnston, twenty seventeen draft. Uh, a little bit before that, they had some issues uh, drafting, but recently they've been great. I mean, you well, got Stankoven in the second round. Well, so. you think about the bad draft picks that Jim Nill made. Those were all in the beginning of his tenure at Dallas, so he takes a little bit of time for him to get the right scouts that he wants in the right place, the right player development guys, and once he gets those in and he feels confident, all of a sudden we get a lot of good draft picks coming in. So mm-hmm. oh, a little bit of a defense there, but... <laughs> I'll defend him. I'll defend the GM of the year. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, uh, we're already getting kind of late, so we're going to skip Backland. I don't think anybody really cares about Backland. Long story captain, short, he, he signed a two-year contract, and he's going to he's probably going to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. So if, if you really care about that, there you go. And I don't even announced? know how, I thought it was announced. 
No, not not him being captain, but the two year extension, yes. But I would expect him to get it. He's he's got to get it. So, no, today, me. today it was announced. Oh, oh, it was announced. Yeah. Oh, I thought it hadn't been yeah, announced. Yeah, four hours yet. ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I'm breaking I'm... news. Ba bump 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 ba dump bump ba dump. <laughs> With our own theme music and everything. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Something All right. Like that. All right. Moving on to Dallas Stars stuff because that's what we actually want to talk about. Um. They uh, released a statement earlier on on uh, X, Twitter, whatever it's called now. Uh, we have made the following moves to reduce the training camp roster to 54. Uh, they sent off Bertucci to the Firebirds. Uh, Ertel goes back to the Battalion. Gardner goes to the uh, 67s. And then uh, McDonald goes back to the Mississauga Steelheads. And then uh, they released two players from their professional tryouts. Uh, Solag, back kick. I don't, I hope I'm saying that right. I apologize. And uh, Brandon Halverson. So no big giant names pop out to you other than Bertucci, but uh, he did not have a very good uh, Traverse City tournament, in my opinion. James would probably know a little bit more about that since he watched more of it. But uh, he's he's the highest draft pick from this past year, so nothing crazy. Yeah, I don't know what you're expecting from them. Yeah, that's how defensemen work most of the time. Hmm. It normally takes them a little longer. Except for Mary Haskin, and Mary Haskin is ridiculous. So he doesn't count. Exactly. He does not count. So okay. Uh moving on from that, um, I really wanted to talk about this because this was kind of a big deal and it's going around the NHL right now. And it's mostly about uh blackout restrictions around the NHL and how ridiculous they are and how we wish they were gone. Um, the Golden Knights just recently announced that they are doing a straight uh, direct-to-consumer streaming service for 69 of their 82 games. Uh, nice. Obviously, the other ones being uh, national games. So, I believe it's going to cost... Uh, you can either pay for all the games, $69.99, and so it's nice. basically a dollar a game. <laughs> Stop it, Chris. And, and then, or... Don't say it again. Or you can pay $6.99 a month in order to watch all of their stuff. And they've also got some bonus content on their, their streaming platform. It so what, one of the things that I'm really frustrated about is why can't the stars do something like this? And it, this is obviously all with, you know, ballet sports going through uh, bankruptcy and just the fact that it's really hard to watch hockey nowadays. You have to have like three or four di different streaming services in order to watch all of the stars games or all of any, any game team actually for that matter so i mean it, it, this is obviously a good idea right if the stars were to do something like this yeah i mean that'd be great because that's all we want anyway we don't want to pay for a bunch of different packages just to watch the stars most of us would like to buy what we want to watch specifically um and at least bally is doing that with their new app which i have been appreciative for even if the app is terrible um <laughs> but but yeah all the blackouts and stuff that's been a sports conversation thing even before this, the streaming wars happened and it's gotten even worse since then it feels like. So at some point I feel like the bubble's going to burst and just all the teams are going to all go direct to consumer. And I hope that's what happens eventually, but it it's taking a while and it is frustrating. You do need, you need TNT, you need ESPN, you need ESPN plus, and you need Bally sports now. And that's, if, if you actually calculate how much it costs to watch all the stars games, like if all you wanted to watch was the stars and you paid for all the stuff you needed to, it'd probably be a ridiculous amount of money. 
We need to math that out. Get on that, James. Write that down. Yeah, James. But uh, it, it's just super frustrating. Like, get rid of the blackout restrictions. Like, if you really, really care about, like, growing the game, and growing the game probably means more money in the owner's pocket, which is what they want, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with this whole two separate TV packages like they've got right now for ESPN and TNT over well, here in the States. Also, so, we should give a little bit more background. Why don't the stars do this? They signed a contract. That's why. So yes. Ballet Long has the rights straight. to it, and so does ESPN and all the other national broadcasters. There you go. But so, And, and this is kind of a, a side thing, kind of along the same line. But uh, And we're probably in the minority because we're ridiculous stars fans and everything like that. But wouldn't you like to see the stars stream more of the preseason games? Am I the only one that feels so strongly about wanting, like, how easy it could be to stream the preseason games? Yeah, I'm wondering how we get the good. We we got some pretty good highlight clips on the Star Social Media for the preseason games. So why can't we just, you know, I mean, we're live right now, and we we barely know how to turn on our computers. So <laughs> I feel like it shouldn't be that hard to, you know, boop 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 and get something figured out, but. Yeah, definitely with the attendance that was at the last game that was at the AAC and the ticket prices for Cedar Park preseason game that I was thinking about going to until I found out they were $100 or more. Yeah, oh there's definitely goodness. some demand to go to the Stars preseason games, especially when they're this good. So, I mean, James, what do you think? I'd honestly like to know your opinion on, on all of this because you're more, you normally have a, a better logical thought process to something like this than I do. Yeah. I, it would be nice. Um, personally, it's still preseason. And again, you're only going to get, even if you're streaming that, you're going to get maybe like 1,000 to 5,000 people watching well, he's live. He's giving us a number. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is like where you're putting it, it's not going to get to everyone. And you'd have to like, you have to talk about it constantly on your social media. There's a lot that would go into that. And, not only that, then you have to find the announcers for it, and there's probably well, not that like many announcers that want to do it. Don't even get an announcer. Yeah, Just you don't even need announcers. Plug it in. Put it. Hey, yes. it's on DallasStars.com. Even less if you people watch will watch now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just uh, just do the bare minimum, and I'd be happy with it. That's all yeah, I'm asking for is the bare minimum. But but most people wouldn't be happy with it, and that's the problem. <laughs> You're probably right. We're probably in the minority there. I mean, David, what what, what do you think? Because honestly. I want to see more hockey because I want to see the the young guys that we don't really get to see a lot because especially in the preseason, you see a lot of the guys that are going to be spending the time in the AHL more or like in juniors in Canada and stuff like that. Am I? How do you feel about that? You know, there's something that Steve Dangle uh, often kind of says, uh, which I feel like most hockey people are probably familiar with Steve Dangle. Uh, sort of the infamous, famous slash Leafs fan um, who always says this, which is hockey um, or the NHL, uh, greatest sport, not a league. And <laughs> a lot of other sports um, don't have this problem. Hockey does. And, you know, so when we talk about sort of the lack of preseason, yes, I would love to watch every preseason game because for me, um, you're also watching prospects and their stories unfold because, for a lot of them, this is serious business. They're trying to win a roster spot. Um, and even though that, like, that rarely kind of happens, um, I, I think even Matthias Yanmark didn't necessarily – I think that was more of um, 
can't remember what the situation was, but he was a guy that had like blister in like Traverse City training camp preseason and eventually kind of just earned his way into a onto a roster spot. But um sure, even though roster spots aren't always won by prospects, they're treating it as, as if they are, and it sets the tone for how the GMs personnel view their performance and and what puts them at the top of the list if injuries do happen, which they inevitably will. So yeah, I absolutely want to see. It. I thought the Traverse City like games were phenomenal. Um, Dallas had a lot of really good prospects, at least when they were healthy. And um, and so, yeah, I would love to see it. But hockey is just not a sport, or the NHL, I should say, is not a sport that is the best at growing its own game. And and that's unfortunate. And of course, there are so many reasons that we could do a whole podcast devoted to kind of why that is. But right, yeah, you know, we, we know that the NHL is just lacking in this area. Um, Dallas does a little bit more than most, granted, but as a whole, no, this is this is not the league to be like to to competently stream preseason games and just do the bare minimum. And you see all of these other leagues that are growing, right? You see MLS is on the rise. Now, part of it is, is think, uh, you know, obviously Messi coming over and stuff like that. But the, as, as well as getting Messi to come over and play in the MLS, they also, you know, got rid of all the blackout restrictions, basically. And it's all on Apple TV. And you can watch every single game on Apple TV, like every single game. And then when you go and when you, then when you look at like F1, for example, F1 is growing like crazy as well. And the reason, one of the big reasons why they're growing is because all you have to do is you can pay just straight to the F1 and you can watch all of the races, all of their content. If you're behind it, like let's say that the race starts at like nine o'clock in the morning and you're not able to start it till 1030, you can go back and rewind it all the way back to nine and, and watch it through. And that's, that's something that the NHL doesn't, doesn't do. They don't give, it's all about convenience nowadays. Right. Well, even more than convenience, it's about who's helping you right now with the NHL, especially. And the Messi contract is actually a great thing to bring up with that. Other teams in the MLS helped pay for Messi to go to Intercity Miami. Like, because they know they understood having Messi there the, is going yeah. to long term benefit them. But it, it really feels like the NHL never thinks about what's happening tomorrow. They're thinking about who's going to give us the most money right now. How are these how are these board ads? on the TV going to help us right now. Oh. It doesn't matter about the watchability of our product or about how easy it's get to who's going to pay us the most today. And I, I, everybody I loves the board ads, Chris, everybody yeah. loves them. Yeah. I, I keep waiting for that to shift at some point, but it really hasn't yet. So I, that is, that is something to be worried about, I guess. I don't know if that, that, there's nothing we can really do about it other than worry. So I don't know. <laughs> worry and hope it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um. Hey guys, it's Ryan here. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there either. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with the code THPN. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, guys. Uh, next thing we got going. I don't even know how we got down that rabbit hole. Just kind of woo. All right. Uh, the American Airlines Center. American Airlines Center has made some upgrades uh, to all of their stuff. They've got brand new seats, which is really cool. It's a little darker than uh, the old seats, but I think it's like the first time they've updated the seats in like 20 years. So it's a good thing they did that. Uh, and most of the $20 million renovation project that they uh, did on the arena was towards the brand new video board, which is absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, the entire thing is LED screens. So it's really cool. Uh, it's it's got a little ring on the bottom where you can see under it, and it, there's, it's got all sorts of different angles and stuff like that. It it's gonna be. I'm really excited to go to my first game at the American Airlines Center and just see the full magnitude and the ginormous amount of <laughs> stuff that you'll be able to do with that new video board. What, what yeah. do y'all think about the new upgrades? I'm hijacking this segment to talk about how important it is that the Stars and the Mavericks try everything they can to stay in this stadium because being in downtown Dallas right where everything is just feels so great. And there is, there's even, there's Canadian teams that are having trouble selling their, their, their teams, especially Calgary because their stadium is not in the city. I mean, and if the stars and Mavs ever want to build a new stadium, it's not going to be in Dallas. It's going to be in Arlington, just like the Cowboys. So please let's keep upgrading this stadium and keep it, in downtown yeah. Dallas. I mean, just just that whole area right there. There's a strip with just restaurants that if you go like an hour, two hours before, it's, you can eat before. It's great. It's, it's the best <laughs> thing ever. The whole area is super cool. Do everything you can to stay there, please. Well, and it it took it a while to actually grow that area. I mean, I, if mm -hmm. you see like a picture of when the arena was first built there, there was like nothing around the arena at all. And as it's gotten older... There have been other stuff that has been built up around well, it. They built up the Victory Plaza. District was built around it. Is what yes. it was, which is what you want, and it's 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 fantastic. I love going to the games there. Uh, I think the last time I went with Dad, we went to like some kind of Brazilian place or something like that. It was amazing. The food was great, and it you get all sorts of stuff there. So uh, I'm just really excited for the upgrades. Uh, David, what did you, what did you think of any of the upgrades? <laughs> I don't, you know, it's unfortunate because I live in San Antonio, so I don't get a chance to see many stars games live. Um, I, like the, I mean, I, I've been to reunion arena back in the day and, and most of the, like I was at the uh, Noche Mexicana, what was it like last year? Uh, but most of the uh, live games I've been to were actually in Cedar park. Um, I actually did a little bit of a, for a very brief moment, some beat reporting for uh, Sean Shapiro back when he had, Wrong side of the red line. I don't know if y'all remember that website. That I, was just pure Texas Stars coverage. Great yep, stuff. I, and mm -hmm. 
Um, so, so yeah, like I, I love it, but I'm just like, well, I don't get to experience it very much. So, what well, we have to get you up here. So we have to get you up here more often. Come take a look at the the brand new board. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Okay, um, just moving on to just kind of wrap things up. And uh, well, I say wrap things up. We got two big topics to talk about here. Um, I just want to get your y'all's uh, reaction from uh, the two preseason games uh, that we didn't get to watch. Uh, unfortunately, I was, like we already talked about, no streaming services. But, I mean, very good, positive outcomes, right? I mean, th there wasn't much to expect from the Sunday game against the Arizona Coyotes. Obviously, there was there was like two players that I recognized on the roster, maybe three. Connor Geeky who is a, a big-time prospect for the Coyotes, and Prosvitov, which is probably going to be their third goalie uh, in their depth chart for the uh, Coyotes. But, I mean, still, I thought it was fun. And then, uh, obviously, the, the game against the Wild, whenever you get to beat up on the Wild, uh, it, it's fun. And I honestly think that they've kind of overtaken the Nashville Predators as our most hated rival at this point. So uh, I, I just want to, uh, James is like, no, he disagrees. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Well, I, I just wanted to get y'all's uh, reaction uh, over the, the two preseason games, what you've seen. Yeah, the Yotes game was kind of, I mean, their team was still in Australia is really what it came down to. <laughs> they they the grabbed a couple team. of players yes. and, and they, they yeah. threw them on the ice. And it, it is what it is. We played all of our prospects too, and our prospects were great. I mean, uh, obviously the big guy that everyone's looking at, during this preseason is Stankovan. He he does what he's got to do. Two goals, played great. Um, the team dominated him pretty much overall, which is kind of what you expect when you're playing their ECHL team, which is basically what it was. Um, but I, I was much more excited about the, the Minnesota Wild game, playing two starting goaltenders. Weird to have that many starters playing on a preseason game so early in the preseason. That was kind of interesting. I don't know if that was... We did that, so then the Wild played their starters, or the Wild played their starters, so then we threw all of our guys in. I don't know, but it, it was fun to see a, a a preseason game that had a lot more skill on skill than a normal preseason game would, and hey, it, it turned out good for the Stars. James, what did you, I guess you can't really say see, but what, what can you get out of these first couple of preseason games that... I don't know, like a storyline that you're looking at or something that popped out to you? What do you think? Uh, no, our starters are good. That's basically what I learned. <laughs> and I already knew that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David, what are you looking at from the from the first two games uh, that we've seen so far, the one on Sunday and the one on Tuesday? So, like, I went out on a limb uh, at my uh, sub stack to kind of talk about Logan Stankoven and talk about why – I think there is a definitive answer to whether or not he's ready. And the more tape I watch, the more I feel like, yeah, this kid's ready. And, and so seeing him like four points through just a couple games, obviously is kind of, you know, I feel like better about myself. So I'm like, Oh, so yeah, I'm being validated. But I think it's also just a matter of um, it just a matter of like, I think the arguments against stay Coven like tend to be, very like abstract and it's like well not everyone do what white johnson does and i'm just like listen if you can have different shades of veterans why not different shades of rookies and and to me when i watch this game i just see everything that dallas could benefit from whether it's off the rush off the forecheck his speed also the fact that he's a, just a strong two-way player i mean this is a guy that sure 
five foot seven. Who cares? But he still he throws the body. He doesn't get pushed around. Um, you know, because, I mean, he's so short. He just has leverage on everybody. And um, also really good on the face-off side, face-off dot. I mean, <laughs> if I had it my way, I would just like, oh, let's just trade Faxon just to put Stankoven in the fourth-line center role. Not that I think it's going to benefit him, but he's a player that I think, you know, normally, like, I would, like, for a while, I agreed that, yeah, sure, Stankoven, if he's not going to be in the top six, well, you want him playing big minutes. But the more I watch, the more I feel like you could put him in a bottom six, not that that's where you want him to be long term, but you can put him in the bottom six. And I think he would excel in part because Dallas has really good depth. Um, I was actually a big fan of the Craig Smith and the Stam Steel Steinens. And I'm just like, dude, you even if you stuck Stanko in on a fourth line of Sam Steele and Ty Delandria, like they're gonna give you excellent shifts. They're gonna bring the energy, but they're also gonna have offensive ability and and, and it, part of it's definitely like the shiny new toy sort of phenomenon where it's just like, well, why wait? Um, I don't have a problem with Stankoven like playing in the AHL. I just feel like I, I think he's ready and I think he could be phenomenal in the right role. Um, and just because he's not Wayne Johnson doesn't mean he can't contribute. Yeah. And a big a big part of it is with like DeBoer's system as well. He spreads the minutes out across like all the lines. I mean, we even saw that with our first line, they were listed as a second line for basically the whole year, just because of the minutes that they got. But it, it, it really, it's for, for me, it comes down to like, who, who's getting knocked out of the roster. Like he, he might be good enough to play right now. And he probably is, but who, who do you take out? Foxa. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but at the same no. time, then you're like, Fox is probably your best defender. He's probably one of your best forwards on the penalty he's, kill he's your best he, penalty killer you he, don't get rid of fox i'm sorry yeah best I, penalty killers debatable mm, yeah that's probably debatable but <laughs> no. he's he's still he's forward been, sorry forward penalty killer excuse me that's what I, that's more what i meant but but i, I went and david we've been talking about this all off season and they've been <laughs> fighting <laughs> off, so i'm glad they're being true to their word at least but i think if you give any kind of offensive upside which we did not have from the fourth line why would you not take that, especially in this NHL? I mean, and you're going to have Stankovic playing against people that he's going to be much better than and higher skilled than as well. So why would you not put him in those positions to try and steal some goals on the back end? I mean, yeah, having some defensive depth is is good in the forward slot, but if you can score in this NHL, why not? I mean... And I don't want to like I don't want to pick on Faxa because like I do that myself where I'm just kind of like oh man for his price that's the I, only I, issue Faxa is just like overpaid for his role but he's still yes a strong defensive forward and you absolutely need that but I, I do think that with bottom six forwards I don't think defensive ability is that much of an asset when you play limited minutes whereas if you have enough offensive ability to take advantage of the limited minutes that you play in that can be a big deal and that can be a difference. And I think you really saw it against Seattle, right? Seattle was a team, or at least the roster last year, they kind of lost a lot of that this year, but that was a team that largely just pushed Dallas to the limits because they were able to roll four lines that could finish plays. I mean, they have what, like two players that were 20 goal scorers on their fourth line. So, so I think it does make a difference. And again, I'm not trying to like make the case that oh, I would just like punt facts like off the roster. Cause uh, he, he is a good player and, and he does like certain things well, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I, I feel like what y'all are saying is largely, well, Stankoven can't go get on the NHL roster for basically political reasons. 
They already have contracts for veteran players, and you can't push them out. And again, I think it's fine. Like I, said, I, I really like those signings. I think Craig Smith, and especially Sam Steele, who's already got two full seasons behind his belt. I, like, I feel like people are talking about him as if a guy that's going to be like an automatic healthy scratch forward. I don't think that's the case at all, which is all the more reason to complain about the fact that either him or Delandria is probably going to be the scratch, which is really unfortunate, actually. Well, and, and a lot of people don't remember the fact that Sam Steele at points was playing on the top line for the Minnesota Wild with uh, with Kaprizov and with Zuccarello. That's because they don't have anyone there. Well, but yep, yeah, I understand. But still, <laughs> but still that you're right. But they they looked at that as an option, so they at least saw something in Sam Steele that made them think that he could work on the top line. So that it it and I I actually wrote a blog post. Uh, on Monday, kind of talking about my feelings about uh, Stan Coven. He came on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago, back in June, and he was fantastic. He was a really good guy. Everybody talks really good about him. He's got a lot of community awards. He's not just a, an amazing player. He's a, he's like a very good character guy and someone that you could see as being a future leader of this team and stuff like that. But I, I just don't see it just based off of the fact of how much depth they truly have. And I'm also thinking about uh, about it from Jim Nill's point of view. When Wyatt Johnston came up into the NHL, we really needed somebody to kind of jump up into that role, and he just happened to be the perfect fit uh, next to Jamie Benn at that point. And it gave us three solid scoring lines uh, once we got Donoff and Domi on the, on the uh, team. With Stankoven, we don't really need him to 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 be that player, if that makes sense, right? Like when like last year, it was like, okay, who's gonna fill that spot, Stankoven or Johnston? And a lot of people, myself included, said that we thought Johnston was gonna be that guy. And I, trust me, I'm 100% rooting for the guy, and I want him to prove to Jim Nell that he has to be on the roster. But I just don't see it just because of how much def- uh, offensive depth. That the stars have. You don't need a twenty goal scorer on the fourth line, but I'd sure take one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true, but and I I do like what you said as well, David, in the fact that like w- with a defensive player playing limited minutes, yeah, he's Fox is one of the best defensive forwards in the game. We saw numerous. He is he he is Christian. He might not put up the points, but defensively against? he is. <laughs> Who cares? He's one I of the care. best. We saw He's lots of we, against the other team's first line. We saw lots of stats last year that where he we were surprised that he was among Protected. these top uh, in these lists. Protected. So, but I do like what you said, David, about the fact that in a limited role, you would I I agree with you, and I I could see how you would think that Stankov in getting limited minutes would be better offensively than maybe Fox getting limited minutes as a defensive forward. That made that made a lot of sense to me. Way to save face. Safe face, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Uh, So uh, let's talk about this because there was a couple of health scares uh, for two big important players for the Stars uh, lately. First off, uh, Rope coming out of nowhere, uh, I literally tweeted out earlier today, is put the guy in bubble wrap and don't let him play the entire preseason, basically. Like, we don't want to see him hurt. And then, uh, obviously, also the whole situation with uh, Pat Maroon and uh, Scott Wedgwood last night. Wedgwood is one of the key 
guys uh, this year for me and the fact that we really need him to stay healthy so that uh, Ottinger can be a little bit more uh, fresh going into the playoffs uh, this year. But, I, I mean, it, are those... It, do you think we will see, especially Rope, do you think we'll see Rope in uh, a preseason game here soon? Or is this something we should be worried about? What do you think? Uh, you Rope's, won't see Rope. <laughs> Rope is perpetually day-to-day, so yeah. I, I think he's fine. And and we've had him, he's been, I don't, I don't remember the last time he's played a full season, but I mean, we always have, I mean, yes. Sagan, Sagan can jump up in there and do just fine. And he's proven that multiple times now. So And probably Duchesne could too, honestly. Yeah. He could, for, for a limited period of time, he probably could too. So we have lots of good options to fill that spot. And we know that he's going to come back eventually. So nice to have so much center depth, isn't it really? Because I mean, compared to other teams, like, you know, uh, it wasn't it just like Minnesota years ago when we had two centers? <laughs> yeah, that's all like, and that's like when Jamie Ben had to be a center because we literally had nobody else to play center. So remember when Martin Hansel was a center? Yes. Oh. <laughs> no, nobody wants <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 That guy was huge. It wasn't he like six, six or six, seven or something like that. He couldn't reach the face off. That's all I know. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> Dang, Chris! Shots fired. So good. Jeez. By the way, right. can we say that was like one of the most, like, it, like it, it wasn't. I don't know how to like say this without like being offensive, but it just they they <laughs> had it. Tyler Sagan, <laughs> Jason Spezza, who yeah sure wasn't what he once was, and Radic Fax, who at the time like this was like Faxo when he was with Antoine Roussel and Alice uh, and Hemsky, which was a phenomenal check-in line. That was. That line was fire, and and a big part of uh, why they won that Nashville series in 2016. And so, why bring in Hansel? That's still uh, to me. My my theory is that like Ken Hitchcock just overreeled Jim Neal on that one and decided to bring him in. But that's neither here nor there. I I just think it's one of the most bizarre signings of the modern Stars era. Yeah, for sure. I I don't even know how many games he played because I think he signed a multi-year contract, didn't he, David? I have no idea. Yeah, he did, but I mean, I'm just that's what makes it more bizarre. Yeah, it's it's weird. It truly was. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. Hitchcock saw him from across the from across the ice somewhere, and he's like, "Him, I want him." <laughs> <laughs> big guy, bring me big guy. All right. Well, we could go on and on, but uh, I want to get to to David's article here real quick because, uh, and actually, uh, Ardell was kind of talking about it in the comment section a little earlier, kind of uh, foreshadowing us getting to this point but uh david just recently uh, uh, released an article kind of talking about uh the lindell hawk and paw pairing from last year so last year they were almost a staple as uh the second pairing and you know we saw especially on tuesday we saw him uh him meaning lindell uh paired with uh nils lundquist which i thought was really interesting and that could be a a really good uh, second pairing if we can get Nils Lundqvist going. So, uh, David, can you talk a little bit about your article and kind of some of the your thoughts uh, with why that pairing is probably not going to work for a team that's looking to make the Stanley Cup final? <laughs> so, real quick, um, you know, I think one way to sort of maybe articulate this point better than, uh, you know, talking about a lot of, like, histograms and fancy models is to just ask you each one of you name me another 
NHL playoff team that has a second defense pairing with that profile. And we know what we're talking about, but with that defensive profile. Just yeah. go ahead. Nope. And get There's not one. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. In fact, you look at the Stanley Cup champion and it's the exact opposite. They have three pairings that all go D, puck mover, D, puck mover, D, puck mover. Well, and the one of the things we talked about last year with the Golden Knights was how ridiculously uh, the minutes were spread out for all three of those pairings. Like the third pairing was getting like 15 minutes a night, like 12 to 15 minutes, which is insane because with the way the Stars kind of relied on Miro Haskinen to play 30 minutes a night during the playoffs, it I'm not saying he can't do it, but you would want him a little bit fresher so he can make more plays and be able to get the stars going more often. I like he doesn't make plays anyways, but I, I mean, I mean, right. Does that kind of make sense? And by the way, like, I think that it, like it makes perfect sense. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, I really wanted to kind of emphasize that, you know, maybe I just sort of forgot to kind of mention in the article is that um, I think part of the issue. And again, I, I do think that, pair has certain strengths like when it comes to limited shot quality yeah they're actually quite good um the problem is that their presence creates kind of what i've called the sort of this kind of offensive paradox with the stars where they are a very dangerous team one of the most dangerous teams in the league so they are a fantastic scoring team but they're not a fantastic like they don't have a fantastic scoring process and uh, I think they were like six, 16th in, in rush offense, uh, which is odd for a team that was, what, top three in goals scored. And I think that's really largely just a function of the fact that these are two players who are, I think, good static defenders. Um, but in terms of being able to like, facilitate the puck up ice to establish a rush that DeBoer himself has preached when he was in San Jose, when he was in Vegas, and now here in Dallas – and some of that he wants, these are two guys that don't get it done. And we're not talking about just depth defenders. We're talking about the third and fourth most used defenders on the team. And that I think is why, you know, it kind of as odd as it sounds, like despite how dangerous Dallas is, that second pair almost kind of suppresses and mutes Dallas's offense. And you really saw in the Seattle series, I think even more than the Vegas series, I felt yeah, like. Yeah, 100% was, I agree with you. Yeah, brutalized like with the four check and then just not being fast enough at times. Um, I I, mean, I really felt like <laughs> Dallas was dangerously close to losing that series. It just in terms of like, well, if they had, if Seattle had their forty goal score for the first couple of games, like how does that mm-hmm. series look? Um, you know, granted, I don't think Dallas has to worry about Seattle this year, but nonetheless, um, that that's my biggest issue with that pair is how they affect the offense in kind of a sort of ripple effect way, not so much that they're two bad defensemen. No, it's just together. They have an anti-chemistry. Yeah. And that's definitely true. The stars weren't known as like the best puck possession team either throughout the, throughout the regular season. I mean, it seemed like every time they scored a goal, it was just pretty quick when they got in the zone. It was kind of just Robertson just shot at as soon as he got the puck, but (laughs) but that's also kind of due to what you were talking about. These guys not being able to get the puck out of their own zone. And when we played those depth teams like Seattle, like Vegas, that showed a whole heck of a lot. Um, I also like you went on your article, kind of point out why that might have been. And it was kind of came down to Lundqvist not really panning out, not being able to trust him. Um, And I pretty much fully agree with that. And I also agree with a previous article that you wrote that Harley and Lundqvist 
breaking those guys up would be the perfect thing if those guys pan out. So, uh, and Ryan talked about this a lot too. Harley is a huge key to this defense. He was perfect this past season. And if we could just keep getting that from him, it would be fantastic. And I think breaking up these two guys and splitting up with Lundquist and Hanley, that's the ideal situation if those guys truly pan out. But if you see a guy like, if you're able to split up that kind of pairing with uh, Hockenpah and Lindell and put Lundquist with uh, Lindell, which would be, I, th- I think that would be ideal because Lindell's used to working with a puck moving defenseman. He Man, played with Klingberg for so long. And then then that gives you the opportunity, shut up, Chris, to, to, play, <laughs> to put Harley with Hockenpah, and that gives you another option exactly like that. And then it allows uh, to, uh, if you can rely on those three pairings, assuming Suter plays with Miro, then you've got three pairings that can you can even out that those minutes a little bit more, just like we what we saw with Vegas against the Stars in the conference final. So, and you could be easily rely upon those guys to do that. The question is, is Lund and one of the things you also talked about, David, was like the teams that are the best in the league. They've got two guys, right? Two it guys, right? So, like for the Lightning, they've got Hedman as number. Well, I, I guess it's Sergachev now, but you know Hedman and Sergachev. Then you've got. In Vegas, you've got uh, oh my gosh, Petro, Petrangelo, and Theodore right there. And then for the stars, you've obviously got Miro, but who's going to be in that second spot? And you've got to think it's got to be one of those guys of Lundquist or Harley. And a lot of people would say Harley, but maybe based off of what we saw in with these matchups in this last preseason game, maybe Lundquist is that guy. Who, by the way, side note, he did add 15 pounds of muscle this past. Off season, so that's that's good news uh, to see. But anyways, David, who do you think would be the more likely guy to be that number two guy, uh, Lundqvist or Harley? I think it's definitely going to be Harley, um, mainly because you kind of already saw that in the Vegas series, where I think in the Vegas series Harley was the third most used defenseman at even strength, at least. And um, and I also think that. <laughs> It's funny, like I think Lundqvist is is a really promising player, and and I actually really like him. I love what he does in the offensive zone, where he's kind of this dual threat, big shot, which is not something you kind of you're, you increasingly see less of nowadays, right? The slap shot, which is kind of slowly kind of died off and a little endangered, that's something he still is good at, and then of course playmaking. But I did do tra- uh, like manual tracking with zone exits, and I thought what was funny about Lundqvist, and and you kind of you'll notice it. And, and maybe you already have, is that when it comes to his movement in the defensive zone, he's a little more flat-footed. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you can be flawed. I mean, like, look at Esselindel. Esselindel's fine defensively, awful skater. And and I think with Lundqvist, you kind of see some of that, and I think that's kind of part of what gained him that reputation with DeBoer and the coaching staff, which is that, well, he didn't move like a puck mover in the defensive zone. And I don't think they like that. I think DeBoer even stresses that, you know, the ability to kind of get out of the zone. So I think Lundqvist still has a long way to kind of earn, you know, that sort of reputation as, okay, sure, I may not be perfect in the defensive zone, but I can make plays in the offensive zone. Whereas Harley, fluid movement in the defensive zone, exits out with just brilliance and, and vision. Um, is And, you know, it's kind of one of the things I always kind of talk about and why I've tended to be critical of Esselindel, which is that 
I feel like defensemen, especially in the modern NHL, really need to be able to skate, and talent matters in the defensive zone. And Harley is a guy that really is able to kind of play a talented game defensively, which affects his ability to transition and ultimately, you know, capitalizing with, you know, his vision um, in the offensive zone. And so, so yeah, Harley is absolutely going to be it. Um, but I think it's a question ultimately of like, well, <laughs> how do you how do you make that happen, right? If Ryan Sutter is next to Heiskanen, and you're probably rolling your eyes like I am, and then you have Lindell with Lundqvist, for example, well, then you have Harley and Hockenpah, and how do you manage those minutes? Like, does Harley really get those minutes that he probably deserves, or are you still kind of justifying Lindell's contract? The, the biggest problem to me is, like, Lundqvist is, is good offensively. We've seen it. We know he's good in the offensive zone, but that's not where we need him to be good. I mean, we need the puck mover for the defensive exits. We have forwards that once they get the puck, they can go up the ice and they'll score consistently. And they, pr- they proved that last year. We need to, we need the outlet pass. And that that's where you look at Lundqvist and you're like, well, he's our only right-handed puck moving defenseman. So he's, he, he's basically playing with Lindell. And that that's, that's basically the end of the story for me. And by the way, they had really good stats together, right? And they had limited minutes, but they were really good statistically together. And I can't even remember why they got split up. I, I don't know if it was like an injury or kind of what, but um, yeah, that sucks. It probably, I would guess it was probably just Lundqvist making a boneheaded play and then he probably got scratched or something. That would be my guess. I, I don't I don't actually know that, but that, that would be my guess. But again, Lundqvist still played 60 games last year. And he's still young, and he's not Miro Haskinen, and so I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come out this uh, this uh, this regular season, and he's going to be an extremely reliable uh, defensive guy, and he's going to be able to to get those zone exits. I bet you more than anything, that's exactly what they talked to him about, James. That's, that was a really good point. That's that's what he has to do. That's my biggest he, thing with Lundqvist too. Is he's he's so young, and like you just said, you just put on 15 pounds of muscle. I mean, that changes your game completely just right there. So he, he's going to be evolving a lot like before our eyes, unlike Harley, over these next couple of seasons. And it'll be fun to see the strides that he takes in his game personally for him, which is what we didn't get to see with Harley because he was doing it all in the minors. But mm-hmm. kudos to him. He did it very well, obviously. Came in at a crucial time and was fantastic and is probably and can- going to and at least deserves to be in the top four. We'll see. We'll see if he gets those minutes, like uh, David was talking about. All right, I think this is a good time to uh, to move on. Uh, so we're into our who cares segment for the evening. Normally, when uh, when I I text these two uh, knuckleheads about uh, who cares segments, they're like, oh, I don't know, and they look around and oh, look, there's a water bottle, top three water bottles. Mm-hmm. But y'all actually had some good ones, so we're gonna have to save some of the other ones uh, for later. But tonight, uh, whose idea was it? Was it your idea, Chris, or was it? Chris's? It was mine. It was not okay. a good idea. I was. I saw a Pop Tart commercial when you texted me. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Pop Tarts, everybody. <laughs> Top three Pop Tarts, and, and we're David's start doing. It. Yeah, David is doing this with us too. He's he's David's in, got the Pop Tart. All right, yes. we'll start with David then, since you put him on the spot like that. Oh David, come on! on. No, no, don't do that. No. Don't make David go first. Yeah. So hold on. So we're talking about pop tarts, right? I mean, because yeah. I did not eat those as a kid. Um, I was all about 
Um, and I didn't realize until recently just how many freaking calories are in there. But the <laughs> <Yale> fudge, <laughs> double stuff, like shortbread cookies. You, you ever had those? Yes. They still, okay, they, they still make them. They were like made them back in my time. But so that doesn't answer your question. And that's kind of my point, right? I, I cannot answer the question. I, just, I don't know anything about Pop-Tarts other than like a few commercials and there you uh, go. yeah, EL Fudge. That, that was my sort of drug of choice back in the there day. There you go. That's Pop-Tart-esque. Hey, it's yeah, good well, enough, that I counts. think. Pop-Tart <laughs> <and Jason. laughs> All, right. All right. So James, number three. Okay. Uh, I'm sharing my screen today because none of y'all okay. are going to know what I'm talking about. Uh, my number three is this uh, amazing unfrosted blueberry pop. Oh, no. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's, it's even better if you toast it, okay? But honestly, you kind of have to toast it. If you don't toast it, it's too dry. But it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, that's all I got. That looks terrible, Ryan. <laughs> it looks amazing. Oh, it's come amazing. on. It's awful. Oh, man. Okay. My, I'm going just classic with my number three because my other two are a little bit different. My my number three is the strawberry. I really that's, like the strawberry. That's mine as well. Had to hit the OG. James, number two. All right. Uh, my number two is uh, it's the brown sugar cinnamon ones. Uh, oh, my. Oh, oh I, I, I gotta bring it up. Sorry, hold on. Th those are those are good. You know, I got the low res one too. That way, it, it's, it's even better. <laughs> with, with, the, with the with the gray nice color blurry. background, yeah, perfect. You really want to have the most <laughs> disgusting brown color on the background uh -huh. of your pop darts. That's that's the best thing about it. <laughs> the background. The background. Okay. The color of the pop tart is is brown, and you know, brown is a great color. That's uh, actually my number two as well. My roommate always had those, and I always stole them. So yeah, number two for me. Ryan, what's your number two? We never do this. This is my number two as well. Is is yeah. the brown? I, I realized when I looked up pop tarts, there's not very many pop tarts. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I thought yeah, there, there was are. a lot more. There's there's, I, there's more. There's more. They they don't make as many as they used to. Like they, there's been like special editions and stuff like that. that. Might be they, true. That might be yeah, true. There, there, there is. There's, there's probably a Shrek Pop-Tart or something. James, what's your number one? <laughs> there is a Shrek Pop-Tart. There is? Is that your number there one? Is. That is not my number one. My Honorable number mention, one Shrek Pop-Tart. is Ranch Pop-Tart. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, that is not a thing. Nice and nice. No. Green That's frosting a deep on fake. top. The, it looks great. I mean. Nope. Get it off the screen, Ryan. Delicious. We don't deal with misinformation on this podcast. Please get rid of that. <laughs> There's uh, no way you've actually eaten that before. That's not um, a thing, Ryan. Oh my goodness, you I'll are gullible. No, I'm not gullible. I just, I, I just want to see if it actually is a thing and if he's actually eaten it. My number one is the s'mores. It's great. It has a different flavor crust. It's got a graham cracker crust. It's really good. Ryan. That's my number one is the s'mores. I love That's the s'mores. One. See, there's not very many Pop-Tarts. I, okay. I, this was James's idea, everybody. No, James, it was James, James, I James, had a good idea, okay? <laughs> Okay, no, but you ha you have to do this though. Okay, Ooh, Weston, yeah. yes, you have. We to talked do about this. calories. If you really want to <laughs> die, toast them and put some butter on them. That'll kill you yes. pretty quick. But but the thing is, is you can't you can't wait after you toast it. Like after you toast it, you have to immediately put the butter straight on, or otherwise it doesn't soak in and then it doesn't taste as good. So there you go. I, I right. found it for y'all. Definitely not deep faked. It's swamp flavored. Absolutely yeah, that one's amazing. definitely real, actually. Uh, <laughs> especially with the little cutoff on the end there. Completely. No, real. that's a design choice, actually. So there you go. All right. Well, oh my goodness. This went long and got off the rails. So 
really quickly, like the last like five minutes. I'm. Thank you, David, for being here. It's great <laughs> to have a smart person on the podcast for once. Everybody, thank you, David. Give oh, and by, in the comments. By the way, if you want to go in, uh, check out his stuff. He's got lots of stuff everywhere. He does it for D Magazine. I think he's on EP Rinkside. I, I think you've done stuff for that as well, David. He's also got his own personal Substack because obviously it's not enough, and he does so much other stuff. He, it, it, there's some great uh, articles that he writes for that. So, uh, what else, David, anywhere else that we should look for stuff from you? No, it's like I always say, lift a stone and you will find me. Split a piece of wood and I am there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and go check him out on Twitter at, at David Castillo AC, I, I believe is what it is. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, and follow him. And he, there's if you're missing some stars content, which I know we lost a lot of good people uh, lately, you know, with Dane from Locked on Stars. He's not doing it anymore. Uh, but we got a new guy. He's a new guy. He's, he's doing pretty well on Locked on Stars. And then, uh, obviously, we've lost uh, Saad for full-time Stars coverage. And obviously, Matt DeFranks as well. So, David is trying to fulfill that role and getting as much Stars content out there as possible. Uh, I really appreciate him. And if you don't follow him and don't subscribe to his stuff, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So, David, thank you again for doing this. We really appreciate you, man. Oh, much appreciated. I hope to do this again, guys. Yep. Well, Thank you guys for uh, listening. There was about almost 13 of you guys who are listening live. Y'all are insane. It's like 1145 at night. What are y'all doing? Go to bed. And obviously, for those of you that are listening later, thank you very much uh, as well uh, for listening afterwards. Y'all are the the true champs, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks again to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor uh, for our episode, our podcast, all of THPN. Uh, the regular season is just a mere two and a half weeks away, gentlemen, I believe. So along with David, along with Chris, along with James, my name is Ryan. We will catch you guys on the flip side, and we hope you guys have a good, fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you guys are listening. And yeah, thanks again to David. We'll see you guys later.